In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, we will continue our study in the book of Joel. And as you guys could remember, just a quick review. Joel was an extremely unique prophecy because he was prophesizing as a disaster was happening. So what's happening is people came and they saw locusts coming and destroying everything they have. So Joel is coming to prophesize at that specific time. And he's telling the people, you should repent. All what's happening around you is because of your sin. That's what he's saying. Last time, we stopped at verse 14 when he was telling them in chapter 1, he was telling them, consecrate a fast. Make your fast holy. Means, when I say make your fast holy, means that everything I do during the fast should be for God. Before I, I go on verse 15, I want to just explain a quick idea. When we read a prophecy like Joel, there are four different levels that this prophecy is speaking at. It's important to understand this. What are the four different levels? The first one, which is the obvious one, there is a plague that's happening, the locust is coming, and it will destroy everything you have. That's the first one. And most of us might feel, okay, this is, yeah, and it doesn't mean much to me. This happened in the past. The second level we're talking about is that this locust event is pointing to another future event, which is the northern armies coming to destroy Judah. So what God is saying, he's saying, look, if you don't repent, there is another difficult tribulation that I'm going to bring upon you to change and repent. Now, the two that are extremely important to us, the prophecy is also speaking on the level of the human soul. Because the human soul is Jerusalem. The human soul is Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem is the place where God dwells and the heart worships. This is the meeting place between God and His people. So when the locust comes and steals all the joy and all the blessing of our hearts, God is speaking at that level on how can I go back and repent. The fourth level that's talking about is actually what he keeps saying, calls it the day of the Lord. You're going to hear this expression multiple times. The day of the Lord, which he's talking about the day when we see the work of Christ. I'm going to talk a little bit, about, a little bit more about what the day of the Lord means. Because in order for me to repent, I have to see the work of God around me. And also, I have to allow God to work inside of me. That's how the repentance happened. Okay? So let's get a read from verse uh, 15. He says, Alas, or sadly, for the, day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. When he says the day of the Lord is at hand, this is the strongest message for repentance. If I realize that my hour is coming soon, I am willing to give up everything to repent. And I think the biggest deception that the devil puts in our life that we're going to live forever. The strongest message of repentance, the day of the Lord is at hand. But what does he mean by the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is not a, a specific 24-hour day. In Hebrew, when he wants to make a 24-hour day, he will specify a number. He says the first day or the second day or the third day. When he says the day of the Lord, it's a period of time. 
You guys, you guys know, for example, when you speak with somebody and you be like back in the day. You don't mean a specific day. You mean specific period of time. When he's talking about the day of the Lord, he's talking about the day when Jesus came, his first coming. He's talking about the days of the Antichrist. He's talking about the day of the second judgment. He's talking about the day that God will punish Israel. So the day of the Lord means all these events. And the Bible said one day in, in, in Peter's, he said one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day for the Lord. So when he's telling them, be careful of the day of the Lord, I'm not only thinking about the punishment, the earthly punishment that's going to happen. I'm thinking about the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm thinking about the second coming. I'm thinking about the day I'm going to die. So he's saying the day of the Lord is coming. And he's telling them, is a day it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. He's telling them, I want you to know that the plague you're seeing, that COVID-19 you're seeing, is nothing compared to what God is pointing you toward. If you don't repent, your own soul from inside will be torn apart. If God leaves me completely and stops working inside of me because I continually sin, I continually resist His voice, there will be complete destruction inside. And he's saying that it's important for us at every event that happens, we look deeper than just the surface event. He's telling them, okay, the verse 16, is not the food cut before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of the Lord. He's telling them, look with your own eyes, see the world around you. Do you see what's happening? Do you see what's going on in your life? Do you see how your prayer has changed? Your repentance has changed. You see the consequence of your, of your sins. You continue to lie and you still reap what you have sown. You continue to judge people and you continue not able to pray and you still judge. You feel self-righteous all the time and then you ask, how come I'm not able to repent? You still let them see for your own with your own eyes. Sin has a consequence that tears the human soul inside. And God is saying that the results, you're going to see it in front of you. He's telling them the seeds shrivels under the clods. It means they're rottening. The seed that you use to plant are, are getting bad. The storehouses are in shambles. They're destroyed. Barns are broken down for the grain has weathered. He's basically at, a, at, a, at, a, at the plague level. He's telling them even the future plans for you to have a land and a plantation is destroyed. From a spiritual level, he's saying that a lot because sin is in your life, all the means of spirituality are no longer affecting you. The word seed always connected to the word of God. Because I live in sin, 
and I resist the word of God, then even when I hear the word of God, it does not affect me. I'll give you guys an example. Sometime, kiddo, you might go to a birthday or an engagement or a wedding. And people already planning to do certain sins after the prayer. They're coming to church to pray or at an event they're praying, but they're already planning to get drunk or to sin or whatever it is afterwards. How effective would be the prayer in their life? He telling them, your storehouses. Storehouses, this is where they used to keep the wine. He told them, the storehouses in a spiritual level means your love, your peace, your joy. Destroy it. The barns, which are spiritual experiences, are no longer effective. Sometime in your spiritual life, when you're a bit dry, you might sit and try to recall some of the moments you had with God. And God is saying, if you are sinning, even that will not help. Unfortunately, we live in an era that does not realize the impact of sin on the human soul. Don't just say, I'm going to repent and confess. Yes, repentance and confession will work. But you forget the amount of destruction that we're doing to our souls. Food is cut in front of our own eyes. One of the fathers said something beautiful. He said, maybe this is why God was born in a manger. That when human beings become like animals, they still can find hope in the manger. The prophecy is telling us, take sin seriously look at verse 18 it says how the animals groans the herd of the cattle are restless because they have no pasture even the clocks the, the flocks of the sheep suffer punishments he's telling them remember I told you before Israel is very big on their memory they have a memory and that's what they live they don't have books, they don't have things, they, well, they have books, but not available to everybody. So a lot of things that the, late, the normal people, the common people have, it's memorized. So he's telling them, remember what happened in Genesis? Remember when, in the time of Joseph, there was a famine, there, the cattle were suffering, there is no plants, there is no animals, remember what happened? A reminder of how their work affects the creation. But what this also means to me, he's saying even the flocks of sheep suffer. When we talk about flocks, we always talk about the people we serve. Whether our own children, our cousins, our friends. So he's telling them, remember he was speaking earlier to the priests. He's speaking to the farmers who represent the servants of the church. And he's telling them, the flock is suffering because of the lack of your spirituality. In, in the liturgy, one of the most beautiful prayers that the priest prays before the liturgy secretly, 
He tells God, accept the sacrifice on behalf of my sin and the ignorances of your people. So he tells God, forgive me my sins. But when people are sinning, it's out of ignorance. God is saying that when I sin, I am destroying the flock. Especially as somebody in a res responsibility, whether a servant, whether a priest, whether a, a bishop, a father, and a mother, a teacher. They are groaning, they are restless. When you find kid, uh, some of the younger kids are not able to find God. Somebody shared a statistic with me last year. He said a statistics they did for the youth in America. 80% of churchgoers use, they said they don't have a real relationship with God. Who to blame if it wasn't for the priest and the servants and the parents? That's what he's saying. He's saying verse 19, O Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pasture and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Joel, as a prophet who is able to see the present and the future, as he sees the prophecy, he's praying. He's telling God, the destruction is so much, I cannot take it. That's why a lot of times the prophets in the Old Testament were weeping. Jeremiah is a perfect example. He's a weeping prophet. He cries day and night. He preaches to people, they kick him out. They try to kill him multiple times. O Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pasture, and a flame has burned all the trees of the field. If I am serving God truly from my heart, I will see the level of a spiritual warfare that my children, my friends, me, myself are facing. And I will know that I need to get on my knees to pray that God can save us. God can save us. Verse 20 says, The beasts of the field also cry out to you, for waters, brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the open pasture. He's telling them, God, the land that you said it's full of milk and honey, now is going to suffer. Because God is going to abandon. You know what's happening in the last two verses? It's almost a sense of a reversal of the creation. God created the, the plants, the animals. He's saying them the animals are suffering, the plants are suffering. Later on, he's going to talk about the day of the Lord, what's happening with the sun and moon. It's almost a reversal of the creation. But here, he's telling him a very important verse. He says, the brooks of water are dried up. Water always represents the Holy Spirit in the Bible. He's telling him that the Holy Spirit inside of us are dried up. 
are quenched. The whole creation is suffering because of the consequence of sin. Now we'll start together looking at chapter 2. Chapter 2, just before Kedah, we start verse 1, just to let you guys, I give you a bit of a structure. From verse 1 to 11, he's talking about the judgment on Israel because the northern army is coming. So he's moving from the locust plague that's happening in front of their eyes, and he's telling them, look, if you do not repent, there is a worst earthly thing that will happen to you. By the way, these punishments are a blessing. Because God wants his people to go back to him. All of us can attest to this. The best people that you appreciate in your life, the people who taught you something. Not the people who told you, oh, good job, everything you're doing is great, you're fantastic. From 1 to 11 is judgment on Israel because of the northern army. From... 12 to 19, there is an important transition. We're going to start talking about repentance and the response of God to the repentance of Israel. What if they repent? What's going to happen? And this is what, by the way, what God does. He's saying, look, I'm giving you all these harsh, harsh messages. Why is even God talking? He's talking because he wants you to come back. If he is not punishing, if he's not working, then he doesn't care. In verse, in verse 1, chapter 2, it says, hey, Blow the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. In one of the other prophecies, the Bible says that the people did not repent after the locust plague. He said, I, uh, in, in one of the prophecies, he says, I, I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not turned to me. So God already sees the future. So he's just telling them, if you do not repent, there is an army coming to destroy you. Can you imagine this? The locusts coming and covering your whole house covering your whole plants, covering everything around you. Like some people, when they get a fly or a mosquito, they scream in the car. Now you have a locust that's destroying everything in front of your own eyes. And you still do not repent. Human patterns are extremely repetitive. Human patterns are extremely repetitive. Even the people of Nineveh, after Jonah preached to them and they repented, a hundred or two hundred years back, they went back to sin. The memory was wiped away from their minds. We see a lot of people who come, for example, from Egypt or from different places where they were part of a church and they were on fire for God. And when they come to the States, sometime their fire is quenched. 
What happened? God is saying, blow the trumpet in Zion. You guys know Jerusalem is like the old cities. It had walls, it had gates, and it had watchmen that will stand and see if there's an enemy coming. So God is saying, blow the trumpet in Zion, as if almost God is telling them, get ready, because there's a war coming. Get ready, because there's a war com coming. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. He's telling them, be careful, because there's a war coming, there's an army is coming. But actually, it turns out, it's not an army. God is saying to them, be careful, because the day of the Lord is coming. God is telling us in this verse, prepare yourself as if you are going to battle. If you truly want to start repenting truly from your heart, you have to become a warrior, a soldier. One of the things that we see these days, people forget that we have a message. I'm not coming to live of my own. I'm coming to do the will of God inside of me. I have a message, you have a message, everybody has a message. I'm not coming here to say, oh, I want to do this, I like this, I don't like this. God said, you need to be a warrior. Do not allow the enemies to approach you. Do not allow the enemies to approach you. God is saying, if you do not learn through the commandments, the enemies will come and destroy you. St. Gregory the Great, he said something important. He said, the day of the Lord is two things, the first coming and the second coming. The first coming, Jesus came poor, rejected, humiliated. But he said, even when Jesus came as poor and humiliated, when they tried to arrest him in the garden, Jesus told him, whom are you seeking? They told him, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. He told him, I am. Once he's told them, I am, what happened to them? They fell on the floor and they were extremely scared. St. Gregory said, when Jesus, the gentle, the kind, just spoke one word of authority, people were on the ground. What would happen when he comes as a judge? What would happen when I cannot give any excuses, I cannot hide any more lies. I, couldn't, I can no longer deceive people. What will happen? What will happen when I discover that all the deeds I'm doing, I've already received the rewards from people? What will happen when I found myself that I spoke too much negativity, that I made a lot of people stumble? Get ready. God is saying no regular worship will do. This is a time when you will have to be a warrior in your prayer, a warrior in your repentance. That's what God is saying. Prepare yourself for war. And by the way, the greatest, the greatest deception, 
that the devil plays in us is he makes us feel that there is no spiritual warfare. Because if we do, our senses will become so sensitive to the smallest thing in happening around of us and see how it's affecting us. I wouldn't even allow myself to listen to typical conversation that could pollute my mind. Why? I'll be extremely sensitive. Every joke, every word, everything I hear, I'll be like, I know how this affects me in my prayer. Save me. And he says, the day of the Lord, a day of darkness and gloomness, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds that spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there be ever any such after them, even for many successive generations. He's telling them in the day of the Lord what's going to happen. It's going to be a day of darkness. The cloud will darken. The moons, the, uh, the, uh, like the morning clouds, will spread over the mountains. The people come and invade them. Be careful, there are many different levels, as we're saying. The first coming of Jesus, what happened on the cross? The sun was darkened. As if almost gathered the creation was upset at what we're doing for the Creator. What's, what are you doing? You're crucifying the Creator? That's what the Son is saying. The second coming is also mentioned in the book of Matthew. And our Lord Jesus Christ said the same thing. The sun will be darkened. I don't, know, I don't want to bore you scientifically, but you guys know we live in a way that's a one-way energy we receive from the sun. There's no conservation of energy. Like It's a one-way. The sun brings us, and what happens? We use the energy to create entropy, disorder. That's what we're doing. So eventually, the one-way flow of energy, scientifically, the sun eventually will run out of energy. He said the sun will darken. The day of the Lord is mentioned 23 times in the Old Testament. It's a day of judgment, a day of wrath, a day that's scary, a day where some people linked it to the seven years of the tribulation before Christ, when the Antichrist will come. So he's saying here, you have to be ready because the enemy is spreading like a dawn. By the way, dawn spreads light not darkness he's telling them the enemy will be spread like darkness it means that the enemy will go into your soul and he will enter every part of your heart the same day that should be joyful is no longer joyful the be careful because clouds and darkness are always metaphor of the day of the Lord. In Exodus, there is a pillar of cloud that was leading people. So what God is saying, you have made the things that I use for your own salvation become things that scares you. You have turned what I want you to use to make you rejoice and to be happy. You have turned it into 
things that scares you and makes you worry. The day of the Lord is at hand. It's a day that is joyful to the believer, but it's scary to the people. Like I'll give you a kid an example of Zephaniah. It talks about the day of the Lord. He said that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloomness, a day of clouds and thick darkness. I'm not here, I'm not trying to depress you. But I just want you to know one thing, is that this very dark image that God is putting in our life is trying to tell you this is how the human soul looks when it continues to live the life of sin. That it becomes even scared of the pillar of cloud that used to lead it in the light. Sometimes when people are yani, demon-possessed, they're scared to even come to church or take communion. The things that are meant for their salvation became the things that scares them. In verse 3, it says, A fire devour before them, and behind them flames burns. The land is like a garden of Eden before them, and behind them desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. He's telling them that in the day of the Lord, on the day of punishment, you see everything beautiful, and all of a sudden, as the day comes, everything that's left after is so ugly. When the northern army is going to come to Palestine, to Judah, he's going to destroy everything. They're going to take the women and the children as captive. They're going to take all of them away. St. Macarius the Great, he actually speaks about this verse in a very spiritual way. He says, the great speak of those who receive grace, for they humble themselves. And then they feel that they had enough and are doing fine. Then they always live imagining themselves in the righteousness of the past. Later on, all what they have is taken away from them. So what St. Macarius is saying, is saying, some people, when they start with God, they start very good, very holy, very humble. And they live, this is the Garden of Eden that's in front of them. And they live the life of the memory of the past. Wow, I'm very humble. I remember the experience in the past. And they saying, as they move through their life, everything that they were given was taken away from them. That's what he's saying. It's very sad when you have an unfruitful season. We no longer will bear fruit. And we become a cause of destruction. He's telling them in verse 4, their appearance is like the appearance of horses. And like the swift steeds, on, on, so they run. Israel, by the way, did not have a lot of horses. Exception of the time of David and Solomon. So there are used, they were used to be terrified by people coming with horses. But he's telling them that be careful because the enemy, when he comes to your soul, he's going to actually make you very scared and become full of fear. 
And he's going to be very quick. Israel, by the way, had an had a interesting thing. For example, look in Deuteronomy, it says, when you go out to the battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more enormous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So God is telling them, look, no matter how strong the enemy that comes at you, if you're with me, do not be afraid, because I'll take care of you. Now it's scary, because God is saying the enemy will come with horses and chariots, the thing that scare you. But now we don't have the protection from God. This is the consequence that happens when we take the blessings of God as our own. When I take my children and all what I care about is making my children like me and love me as a father or as a mother or as a priest or as a servant and don't try to bring them close to God. Same thing with work, with marriage, with everything we have. The locust is coming with the strength and the northern army is coming with the strength. The eyes that are enjoying sin and laziness are fearful in the divine judgment. The chastising of God reveals our human weakness. You're actually not zealous for the service. You're actually seeking glory. They're coming so swift that they will make us crash if we're not with God. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops, they leap like a noise of flaming fire that devours the stubble like a strong people sit in a battle array. They're coming, they're coming at an expected time and they're moving quickly. It's almost like our life. Hatta just even recently now, We've heard many people who got into car accidents, many people who died, many people who were taken away from us without us even paying attention. He's saying, if you're not ready, the enemy comes quickly. Before them, the people wither in pain, all faces are drained of color. He's saying that everybody well, when they see them, they will be almost paralyzed. Why? Because they forsook the true worship of God. Look at that, Romans 1, 21 to 23. He said, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became fertile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkening. Professing to be wise, they became fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible men, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In Romans. This is what happened to the children of God when they leave their image. When they leave the prize that God has given them. He's telling them multiple things will happen. You see the locust, you see the northern army is coming, but also you see your heart, your soul from inside. And you also will see this happening when Jesus comes, in the first coming and in the second coming. They run like a mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formulation and they do not break ranks. 
Literally, it means that the army that's coming is extremely organized. They're coming, and they know exactly what they're doing. They're going to climb the walls of your heart. They're going to enter through the windows. You're not going to have anything, any sort of protection. But it also means something else. It means that when the devil attacks us, extremely organized, extremely strategic when he attacks us. Abu Dawud Lama said something so beautiful that I liked. He said, let's say you're fasting. The devil will come and tell you, enough of fasting today. You fasted enough. This is the devil that makes you could be gluttonous. He leaves. Another devil comes. He'll be like, you should eat. Eat a lot. You fasted for so long. You start eating like as if you've never seen food before. After you eat a lot, another devil comes and gets you into laziness. The breast makes you sleep. You sleep for many hours. Once you wake up, don't get up. And start giving you lustful thoughts and bad thoughts. And then you fall into sin. After the, the devil that makes you fall into sin leaves, the, sif, the devil of despair comes. I be like, there's no hope in you. You fasted yesterday and look at you. Within less than 12 hours, you're committing the sin again. Plans. Army is fighting. And every devil is an expert in his area. Professionals. But that's why God is saying you have to be a warrior. You have to understand. The day that I put my weapons down. The day that the devil will come and climb my walls and my doors. Do not leave a single door open for the devil. When people come and tell me, Abuna, all oh, music, we're, we're hanging out with our friends, what's wrong with this, what's wrong with that, what's wrong with this? We're opening doors. We're opening doors. The, the, if the, the thoughts here will be polluted, how can I keep my thought clean? Why should I let the devil step in any time? Am I wiser than all the fathers before us? The last verse that we're going to cover today said, They do not push one another. Every man marches in his own column. Though they launch between the weapons, they are not cut down. By the way, this is also applies to the Greek and the Romans army. They were very highly disciplined in rank. And they could face assault of an enemy without bending. They teach this in the people who go to the army. How to stand strong when you're captured. Or how to stand strong when you are at war. Because if the people in front of you see you're scared, they will destroy you. So he's saying the devil when he comes, he's very organized and he's not scared. The message today that God is trying to give us is trying to say be careful because the sins that we have, the doors that we open, it causes destruction to the human soul.
Don't you ever wish that you can hear the voice of God speaking in your heart? Have you ever heard it? Have you ever heard the voice of God speaking inside of your heart and telling you, I love you, I hear you? It's not a voice from you. Maybe because my doors are open and there's a lot of noise from outside that does not allow me to close. One of the worst destructive things that Christians go through is the sin of judgment. It destroys the soul. When I think that I am better than other people, when I think that I know more than other people, it's the biggest door that we open for the devil because I am I'm being tricked. Like when you commit a sin of lust or a sin of whatever it is, you at least know it's a sin, it's clear. The sin of judgment that destroying a lot of us, it's not clear and it's enjoyable. And sometimes we mix it with virtues. God is saying, be careful, close all the doors. Otherwise, you're not gonna be able to hear the voice of God in his holy mountain. Prepare for battle because the devil is roaring around like a lion, devouring anybody that touches him. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. We can get a turn off the light and all of us stand up for prayer. And Tony and Ilaria will lead us in a song.